the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is a bonus episode, and our guest is Doparo. Doparo is a singer and songwriter whose work is thoughtful and ever-evolving, just like the writer herself. She has a new single out called Universe Promises, which you are hearing during this episode. You can also find that along with all of her wonderful records at doparo.com. That's D-O-E-P-A. O-R-O.com. Check out Soft Power, her record Soft Power, and, and the entire catalog. Just wonderful songs, wonderful, wonderful writing, and, um, and, and music that makes you feel something in the best way, especially right now. A truly positive message with um, that recent stuff and, uh, and, and a lot to dive into in her catalog in general. This was such an honor, y'all. I'm so thankful for this opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode. Things are just so crazy right now, and you have so many options uh, in terms of what kind of content you can consume. And I'm really grateful that you spent some time with us. You can find more conversations like this wherever you consume podcasts and at marinadepodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching Marinade Podcast. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community where for just a few bucks a month, the cost of a beer, a cup of coffee, or whatever five or six dollar thing you normally buy uh, on a regular basis, you can get access to our Patreon exclusive podcast, Jason's Journey. We also do a lot of really cool stuff with our Patreon community. We connect on a deeper level. We just had our first ever Patreon happy hour, which was so much fun. Got to connect with the marinators out there and, and just talk about the show and talk about what's going on with them creatively. And of course, we talked about politics. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to at this point in the world. Um, but just a really, really great stuff that we do over there. And I get a chance to connect with amazing friends and fans of the show. So consider it if you can swing it. If not, just tell a friend about the show. Give us a rating on your podcast app. Um, interact with us on social media, just all those free ways that really, really help us out. All right, y'all, that's enough pitch from me. I'm so grateful to give you my conversation with Doparo.
Hi, how you doing? Hey, good. How are you? I'm so sorry I missed your call. I like my phone totally didn't ring. That's okay. It happens. My phone doesn't for whatever and people don't believe me. It <laughs> it, it doesn't ring. <laughs> And I swear it doesn't, and I'm not avoiding anybody. And if you're listening to this in the future, and you're a friend, and you call me, I promise my phone really doesn't work. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I'm so excited to talk with you. Thank you. I'm excited to talk with you, too. Um, I've, I've been starting every one of these since March with just, how are you? Oh, man. <clears throat> what a question, right? What right. It feels like such a loaded question. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm feeling very grateful to have a meditation, spiritual practice in this time. Right. Um, because I don't know what I would do otherwise, how to make sense of, of everything. Yeah. So I've just been... Um, really practicing taking things one day at a time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm How about glad, you? I'm okay. Yeah. I'm, uh, I think I, everything was pretty good for me really until I, I'm based in central Florida. And so everything mm. was pretty good for me until the state opened back up. And, um, and then I, I've, I've been pretty anxious, um, just each day, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm fortunate in that. I can work remotely. I barely leave my house. Um, and really, most of the, the first like a quarantine was really fruitful for me creatively. And I felt like I was able mm-hmm. to quiet my mind and um, settle down and, and do the work every day. But uh, I have mm-hmm. not felt that at all since Florida opened back up and the case started to rise. And so honestly, yeah, I'm a little... I'm a little anxious right now, but you know, the meditation thing is kind of where I wanted to start. So that's perfect that you brought it up. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Cause I, I think I, I want to talk about like how, how it's obviously a huge part of your life and yoga is a huge part of your life. And so I'm curious how that informs or, or, or impacts your creative process at all. Having meditation and yoga as a regular practice, what impact that has on you creatively? Um, well, I'll say this. So uh, something I read years ago in a book, and I'm forgetting which Swami it was, some, some Swami when I was in the Himalayas, that always stuck with me is that relaxation is the key to receptivity. Mm. Um, and I feel like at, at my best as an artist, it's when I'm listening and not in so in the matrix, like it would be a total lie to say all my ideas come from me. It's like they come from just hearing, hearing and being moved by the world. So if you are, or if I am in this place where I'm running around and and busying myself with tasks, I can't be the receptor um, needed to create. I can't have that openness. So I, I find that yoga and meditation are both practices that help me get still Mm -hmm. and listen and like, open um you know certainly the the more flexible you are in the body that that correlates to your mind so i can really see that when i don't practice for a while i notice my own rigidity mm-hmm. which is you know not great for creativity no. <laughs> no. so <laughs> 
So, yeah, I, I, they're both really helpful, both in staying flexible and staying in the practice of, of listening. Where does it, can you talk kind of like on a practical level? Um, because mm-hmm. it meditation has become sort of a theme on the show recently and uh part i'm sure it's oh, cool. part, yeah and i'm sure part of it is is just me uh getting back into it and practicing especially since what i just minute mentioned that um the fact that i was feeling pretty good and then got mm-hmm. and then thing, you know and then things changed and i started to get super anxious and uh and and hel- I'm feeling kind of helpless too, you know, cause I feel like mm-hmm. both Florida opened up and our, our modern kind of civil rights movement began to, to catch steam and I felt helpless. You know, I felt like I should be doing mm-hmm. more. I should be out there. I should be helping, but I was scared and oh, just so much, but meditation is mm-hmm. something that helps to, um, to, to, to get me back, back to detaching from outcomes. Right. And, um, I think what, what I'm curious about though, for you is like, is, is it a, uh, part of your routine? In other words, like, do you meditate the same time every day? Do you work it in whenever you can? Like on a practical level, what does yoga and Mm -hmm. meditation look like? Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations for practicing now, because (laughs) I always say like, I think it's really hard to practice when things are hard. Mm Mm-hmm it's a lot easier to make the time when things are going really well. And it's like, and then when you have to sit with the anxiety, I, you know, it's easy to forget that that's the time you need to practice the most. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and so on a practical level, I, I do it every day, every morning. And, um, mm. I have my meditation practice and then I do a yoga practice and it's my commitment. Like I, I committed to it. Mm. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I, and if I'm like on the road or something that's not feasible and I'm not a militant about it um, to the point where like I can't go with the flow. But if I'm in my own space and certainly in this time, it's been like a daily morning thing where I have the time. I have like an hour that I do both in. Mm-hmm. I, and I get very inspired. I recently heard there's this teacher out here, um, Krishna Carr. She's a very she's in her 80s. Uh-huh. very advanced um, Kundalini teacher. And she does two hours of practice every oh day. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> every day. Yeah. Yeah. Two hours of yoga or meditation or both? Both. Cause I think with the Kundalini, it's a little bit of a mix. Okay. You, yeah. you, you mentioned um, being in the Himalayas and you are also a, a yoga teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Did, I the, teach, yeah. did you learn did you did you study over there i started out over there okay. um studying i went to a teacher yoga teacher t- training program but um i actually dropped out of it <laughs> okay <laughs> because it felt you know it was just a program i went to because at that time this is like almost 10 years ago uh-huh. it was um one of the few programs i could find online like a certified yoga teacher training program. So I like a lot of the best teachers, what I found, because I spent another four months in India after it was that a lot of the best teachers don't have this amazing online presence that would never have found them. Mm. And it, that just happened to be a Googleable thing at that time. And it was really out of 
not in alignment with what I was looking for. Mm. So I bounced. <laughs> <laughs> and then I ended up being certified. I got I got certified here in LA at Yoga Works eventually. Okay, great. Well, it's that's that's quite the that had to be quite the experience regardless though. Mhm. Oh, definitely. And it, there's a lot of um There's a lot of like, there, there's an incredible amount of positivity in your music. And mm-hmm. I don't want to take for granted that the, the yoga and the meditation get you there. But are, do you have like more of a positive bent anyway? Or is it work that you're doing all the time to get to that place? It's, oh my God, it's so much work. I'm such, um, I'm, I have so much depression and so much anxiety. And uh. like, you know, I, I think all, and so much, ancestral trauma (laughs) that I think all of those things were really like what woke me up and, and like, this is not a sustainable way to, to look at life. And, um, and it's been a really long journey. And if you listen to my older music, like my first two records, they really, I think they have a lot of that despair in them Mm. that, that seeking, but that like, um, really feeling the void and, um, what I noticed after making my third record was like, oh, I'm in a loop. I'm in some sort of loop where I'm really depending on like crisis or heartbreak to get inspired. I would have these mad days of creating and writing when something wouldn't go right in my life. And I was like, I, I, this is unsustainable as a human for me to have this relationship to my art and um, kind of put the, the, wish the prayer whatever you want to call it out there that i'd like to be able to create from a place of joy as well because I, I know that part of me and it for some reason wasn't coming out um and i and i since getting intentional on that i could say that in the last like two and a half years my music has been coming from other places and i've been so grateful for that well i mean the 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 new single just came out today right universe promises mm-hmm. is just incredibly positive I think. Thank you. <laughs> you know, um, so was there? So it's working, you know. But was there a moment? Uh, it, you, you mentioned after the third record, did something happen that that helped you get to that realization that you were in a loop? I think it was just the writing of the record itself and being like, "Oh, these themes are too familiar." Like, mm. oh, I don't want to be one of those artists who's writing about the same thing over and over and over again. There are some amazing artists who do that but i find them really tragic <laughs> mm, isn't it so easy to get caught stuck yeah. in that though so easy so easy it works right like we know that song works and we know how to get there because it comes from a real place but it comes from a real place to the non-explored nature of all these other places that are in us yeah I, that's really well said i think the most of I write kind of I write folk songs and one of the the oh, cool. yeah and it's everything just about everything I've written ever is about social justice and lately mm. I can't write about it it's it's so interesting to mm. me it's like but that's been kind of a you know uh, it's weird to say it this way but that's been kind of a positive for for my songwriting at least because it has forced me out of that bubble I mean my bubble was like <laughs> tragic stories about young black men basically and um wow. that that's what all my songs are about and then 
just about all of them, damn mm. it. And then finally, I wrote one about my grandmother the other day, you know, or not the other day. It's been a couple months now, but still, it was uh, something that that came out of me in a in a flurry. And and then I sat down later to try to write one that was in the in the vein that I'm used to, and it wasn't happening. So that's an interesting concept of like, once you get out of that loop, uh, it's almost like you don't. I don't know if I don't want to get back, you know, what I, you know what I mean? Or if it's just mm-hmm. so overwhelming right now in the moment that I can't get back into that loop. I'm not really sure. Or if you think about that at all, like because you've gone, gotten out of it, does that mean you're not going to revisit those, those themes or those feelings again? Oh, I, I'm sure there will be lots of tests along the way, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. I'm sure there will be lots, but the, the question is whether it benefits you or benefit, you know, like, if it's, if it is like putting out the the vibration that you want to be putting out vibration, you know, it's very new agey, but for me, I was like, wow, these songs come very naturally. And also I, I, I want to align myself with something more positive. There's enough grief in this world, you know, yeah. without adding to it. Right. Um, so, you know, I, who's to say, right? Life is so long. Like I'm sure there'll be some point where we go back to these old loops, but hopefully we we're moving away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you said something the other day on social media. I think it was on Twitter. I can't re- remember where I read it, but it, it kind of, I wanted to talk about it. And I think what we're talking about now lends itself to that discussion. And you said we have to rethink cancel culture because it's inhibiting the conversations that need to happen. Normalize mm-hmm. apologizing mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful sentiment. It's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is the idea of like people f- are going to mess up and th- that's okay. We need to deal with the consequences of that and we need to hopefully minimize the number of times people mess up in a way that hurts other people, but also just wholesale not accepting uh, apologies uh, is just not healthy. Yeah, it, it's gotten really bad. I mean... And I understand why it happened. I think this whole evolution of the cancel culture, there was something positive <laughs> in it originally. Sure, the, sure, the positive sure. thing was holding people accountable for their privilege. Right. Um, but now it's like, it's way too big for that. And what I see, uh, have what I have access to is seeing a lot of white folks I know just exiting the conversation, not because they don't want to be a part of it, because they don't know how. Mm-hmm. And there's this threat that we have um, about about canceling people and shaming them. And, um, you know, that that's definitely not the, the way for us to move. We need to we need to understand why it makes everybody be so uncomfortable and be able to take the hits when we do something wrong and and apologize. Right. <laughs> like, you know, a good old fashioned apology. Right. And and so often people are unwilling to to even explore that they might be in the wrong for fear of that cancellation. Yeah, and that's the whole thing is we're also wrong right now. Like right. <laughs> the society is wrong, you know? Yeah. Like I am wrong. I'm wrong about a million things. Every day I'm learning I'm wrong about something I thought I was right on. So, you know, it, it really it kind of puts the light on that perfectionist complex. Yeah. Which I think is also, honestly, I think perfectionism is a, 
there, I don't haven't thought this through enough, but there's something to be said for perfectionism being a, a suprem- white supremacist ideal, you know? Oh, interesting. Can you, yeah, think- I'm even thinking about like my, like dance, right? Like the ballet versus a lot of, um, a lot, some, some of black, black dance art is much more ancestral and community and expressive of, of that of that world as opposed to the perfecting of the I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if enough about dance to talk about it in, intelligibly, but that's just like a first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I wish I knew more, uh so we could kind of explore it more, but that is a really interesting thought. What does um what does your on a again on a more of a practical level like what does your process look like are you sitting down to do the work every day are you writing uh constantly you've shared this wonderful photo um back in i guess april of like a leonard book of leonard cohen's poetry i assume it is i don't know i can't really tell tell, but a coffee cup and some notes uh that look like maybe a song i can't really tell Mm -hmm. um is that it's a really romantic photo is that is that what your process looks like are you sitting down to do the work every day are you are you doing it when the inspiration strikes yeah a much more inspiration strikes um i wish i could write every day but i it's never been my thing um i do know when it's starting to strike though because what happens is i'll have a conversation or something will pop out and I'll start writing. I just have like a long list of notes on my phone, mm-hmm. bits and bobs, like lyrics, words, whatever. And, and once that starts, I, it'll come up more and more. And, and that's kind of what I, going back to the original question about listening. Then I become aware that I'm listening. And, and usually that's my gateway to getting inspired. And um, the process is usually starting with like a few words or a concept that I, I feel really attached to. Uh-huh. If I'm not attached to the lyrics, I never really latch on to the song. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. How That's why you, somebody like Leonard Cohen is so important to me. Say that again. Oh, it's just that, that's why someone like Leonard Cohen is so important to me. Because you attach to the lyrics so much? Yeah, because, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's an incredible lyricist and... And, and that's kind of who I think I, I moved towards in general. Who are the other, like, who are the people that you're consuming right now? It, it could be books. It could be music. Uh, I mean, it could be any kind of art. But, like, what what are you fired up about right now? Oh, man. I'm trying to think. I, I feel like whenever this question comes, I'm always like, wait, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't oh, hell yeah. For it. Right. I know. Um. I should have told you. You know what I was? <laughs> I was really. I know. I should know at this point that that's a question. But I was really late on this. Um, people have been telling me about this for years. The Rodriguez uh, documentary. Oh, uh huh. Searching for Sugar Man. Searching for Sugar Man. So I watched the documentary and um, I bought the vinyl and I've been listening to that. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. Such a such an amazing story, but also just like what what talent like <laughs> some yeah. of those songs i can just cry to <laughs> yeah the we yeah we, um, have a, we have a copy we listen to it all the time it's so good yeah, um so good. i what, what i've been listening to otherwise i've been listening to a lot of like 
honestly, mantra music, chill me out. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, the last conversation uh, I had, uh, Elliot Bronson, the songwriter, and I recorded last week, and, and he said he's been just listening to, he's been throwing on just like an ambient station and just kind of listening mm-hmm. to to that and not really trying to attach to anything in particular, just needing that space, just needing kind of like something that allows him to not have to necessarily overthink or be too involved in the lyrics. Cause we were talking about how, I mean, somebody like Leonard Cohen is really difficult to just passively consume, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's not like good background <laughs> <Really not>. music. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not that's not your guy. No, exactly. Um, well, I've been listening again to I've been listening to this old record called by some Mary Margaret. I think it came out in the eighties. Mary Margaret O'Hara. Mm. You heard of her? No. Really beautiful and strange. Um, another like I put her in my Rodriguez box of people. Like I'm like, how did I never hear of them? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, Ali Akbar Khan, he's one of the people I've been listening to on my kind of mantra list. That's a frustrating thing that the, it shouldn't be frustrating to me. And maybe this goes back to the concept of detaching from outcomes, but it's always annoying to me when I just quote unquote discover somebody that has been around for a long time or that a lot of people know about. And because like, mm-hmm. I'm in this world, I mean, I I'm interviewing artists all the time. Like I'm constantly consuming music, and then I'll hear about somebody who's been around since the '60s. You know, somebody somebody will mention some artist. It's like, you know, do you know so and so? And they've got 45 records, and all the records are amazing. And it's like they've influenced <laughs> everybody. But it's a weird thing that I like, know. why should I be upset about that? Right? Like, why? who cares just celebrate the fact that i that i discovered this for myself finally instead of being upset with myself for having not discovered it before maybe that could, that's some sort of imperialist thing too i don't know yeah i don't know i think it's maybe an, an ego thing right like right. why i should be um and also perfectionism yeah my friend is a screenwriter and she was saying i was like uh, you know maybe you should try collaborating i just know how she was just expressing some frustration and I was thinking to my own journey with music and how collaborative it's been um, since things started really finding a flow. Mm. And so I was like, you know, it's called Cohen Brothers, not like Cohen. There's lots of amazing screenwriting duos. And she was like, but I want to be, I, but I want to write my own from start to finish. She's like, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a power in that, in that authorship. And I, I understand it, but I was like, well, what's that power really? <laughs> it's like, it's the ego. It is. It is. Yeah. What difference does it make if the finished result is something that you collaborated on or you did yourself? The work is at that point, just the work. It's the work. Yep. And how someone a- perceives it isn't, you know, shouldn't ideally at least be impacted by who made it as much as what the work itself says. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, it's all about getting the message out and there's just such a, a power in numbers when we're able to find those really great collaborations. How different is it for you if you're writing alone versus if you're collaborating? Oh, it's much slower. <laughs> <laughs> the writing alone is you much know, slower? Oh, yeah. It, it takes, it'll take a while. So um, interesting. Yeah. If I'm writing with somebody, like we're ping-ponging ideas, I'm a little... 
way less precious. Um, alone, I can just totally obsess over two words for days. So <laughs> to me, the, the jump from solitary writing to collaboration is really just injecting both more speed and more joy often into the process. Oh, interesting. So you prefer the collaborative process. I think I do. I mean, I, I've written some, some really good songs alone and I, that I think are, can be much more personal uh-huh. if I have that space, which I, is, is valuable. But um, the process is generally more enjoyable with somebody else. Has, has it always has felt that, that way? That? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I just think there are these magic moments when you're writing with somebody else where you guys are both grabbing at something and then all of a sudden it happens, whether it's a melody that you start singing or like the perfect words for the line and and sharing that is amazing. That's beautiful. That's such a, a great attitude about it. I think most songwriters that I know don't mind the co-write. They don't mind the collaborative process, but for the... I, I'm just, I don't know. I'd have to go back and collect some real data on this, but my, my gut tells me from what I've experienced, most people feel more comfortable on their own. And I think that a lot of that does go back to ego and not wanting mm-hmm. to, to let go of your idea or to acknowledge that somebody else's idea is maybe better than yours or that their take is maybe more honest than yours. And that's, I, I have a hard time with it. I, I don't in fact, I just stick my head in the sand and do it on my own, you know, because I'm just too scared, frankly, <laughs> to go and ask. I don't even like when I when people look at my stuff. I want feedback, but I don't. I don't want it at the expense of someone actually reading my shit, you know. <laughs> I totally get that. I totally get that. It's so scary. <laughs> like I so frequently write stuff and then just edit it myself and and you know, put it out in the world. However I put it out into the world, just, and what I really need is somebody to say, Oh no, you know, you lost me here. Or you need to do this. Or you need to do that. Or what if you thought about it this way? But um, mm-hmm. truth is I'm just too scared to do it. I need to step up. Maybe yeah. You got to find the safe team. Right. <laughs> that's what I need to focus my intention on next time. I'm sitting down to meditate or whatever. Yeah. Get, get I mean, I think that. it's really great. Yeah, to get through that and also to have, like, one or two people who you really trust, mm-hmm. you know? Like, who those identify those people because that's, like, oh, it's such gold. So you have, to- do you have those people I'm taking for granted? Yeah, for sure. I, I have. And I've been selective over them, you know? It's, like, I've definitely sent in early days sent my music to the wrong people who <laughs> don't. Um, I guess like don't know how to deliver because it's delivery too, right? Like mm-hmm. I have my own ego and um, I want my work to get better and that involves taking uh, taking feedback. But there's also a way that people can give that feedback that doesn't make you want to throw throw out everything. <laughs> right. How, how... <laughs> We're like, okay, well, this is good. Yeah, well, so what is that? <laughs> like that might be very helpful for folks listening who are asked for feedback. Like how, what, what is the difference between the feedback that's helpful for you and, and the stuff that maybe isn't? Oh, I always think it's so great when people get specific, like, mm. you know, oh, this melody is dragging, like right around here, the, the mix isn't great, you know, like, like time stamps, like these seconds are where you lost me. This clip of your voice doesn't sound great. I think you can do a stronger take. Um, here's a song reference where I think the sonic scape would really 
you know, influence from that would really shape the song. Just like, as opposed to, I don't know, this feels a little formulaic or (laughs) I don't like when you work with producers. (laughs) Things that people say. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Because it's so so much of it is, especially with any art, but I I might argue, especially with music, so it's just entirely subjective, and so Mm -hmm. it's so hard to give to give and receive feedback about things that are, I mean, transcendent. Like, how do you how do you really? It's sort of like writing about music, which I do a fair amount of, and constantly bang my head against the wall when I do it. Like, how do I describe this thing that makes me feel? like nothing else can make me feel, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. how did you, yep. how, how do you find those people that you trust to give you the feedback? How do you know who it is that you need in your life in that way? Um, you know, I, I like to send it to friends who I know think a lot about music. That's the first one. Um, early days when I didn't necessarily have that community, I was just sending it to close friends. And I don't think that's necessarily the answer either, because it's great to hear like what somebody who's not a consumer of music thinks, because sometimes they'll have like, uh, you know, they, they hear it more mainstream. They're not listening for those little details. So I think it is good to have at least one person there, but it's been trial and error. It's been over the years. Like who do I trust to be really honest with me? Who tells me when something isn't right and who knows how to do it in a way that feels like, empowering to me like I, I know what steps I need to take instead of just a little bit ego crushed <laughs> right right that's yeah I mean so yeah I mean it's just tough right there's no there's no easy way I, I think just in general there's no at least I haven't experienced an easy way to figure out how you can trust um whether it be uh for from uh, a creative standpoint or whether it be from a personal standpoint, there's no, there is no formula to that. A lot of it has to be, uh, just a feeling or a sense, um, which is really incredibly hard to describe. I also think though, this is an aspect of trust that maybe is not talked about enough. And I was meditating on this recently. It's, it's just time. Like, mm. you know, I used to be a bit more like this where I would, I'm an open book. That's something I'm proud of. I'm happy about it. I tell you my whole life story in the first five minutes with me. And now I'm like such a not, a not self-protective way to go about things. And, um, you know, the only way we know if we can trust somebody is, is through the time of things. Do they show up consistently? Do they keep their word? Can I trust them with like the confidentiality of my life? And, um, and yeah, I, I don't think there's any shortcut to that. Do they apologize when they mess up? <laughs> Do they apologize when they say the wrong thing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's where we've come full circle. That's uh, exactly, there it is. The trust is based on that. Cause I mean, again, we're flawed and we're going to make mistakes and wh- whether it's creatively or in, in our personal lives and, um, or in our professional lives, whatever we're going to, we're going to mess mm-hmm. up and that's okay. As long as we're working on trying to fix that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's part of the process. Right, right, exactly. And and creatively, that's so helpful. I mean, getting the the not so great stuff out of the way, or taking a risk that maybe doesn't work, is just incredibly helpful to get to the good stuff. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I used to be like that more where I was kind of that perfectionist impulse was showing up where somebody would throw an idea out in the studio and be like, uh, I don't think so. And now I'm just more like, let's try everything, throw everything against the wall. Let's see what it, what is there and what isn't. Um, and the people I know who have gone on to become quite successful, I think have that mentality of like, yeah, try anything. Right. That's awesome. I think that's a perfect place to end it too. You've been so generous with your time and energy and I'm really grateful. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I really enjoyed speaking with you and and finally getting a call from Orlando that wasn't spam. (laughs) (laughs) I take no responsibility for the, uh, the other phone calls you've received from here, nor do I, nor do I take responsibility for like 95% of what people think about Florida. (laughs) (laughs) There was a really good movie that came out about Florida a few years ago though. I'm forgetting the name, but I think it was in Orlando. There's a, there's in Disneyland at the end. Oh, um, uh oh my goodness i'm picturing the last scene which i loved i feel like such an idiot. Yeah. i saw it in the theater um i thought it should have won best picture that year um yeah and spacing out was so good yeah this is ridiculous why can't we i've got a computer box right in front of me but i don't want to search <laughs> it because i feel like oh my goodness okay i this is gonna drive me crazy and i want for folks <laughs> um, no theme park like she grows up in the in the hotels yes that's it um oh my gosh i know this is gonna kill this me this is ridiculous oh. <laughs> uh, florida project florida project the florida there project we go. yeah great film <laughs> the answer was right there Great film. Not more obvious. Oh my gosh! Yeah, seriously, I can't want to call. I call it Finding Florida. That's not. That was like in a blog that somebody had one time. That's not it. Uh, there's a, uh, on becoming a god in Central Florida is really awesome too. The show on Showtime. Oh, cool! I don't. I don't know that one. I'll have yeah. to check it out. Yeah, it stars Kirsten Dunst. It's a. It's about the pyramid schemes um, in the '90s. The Amway, you know, because Amway is huge here. Um, still oh, wow. to some extent the DeVos family and all those clowns um the but yeah the show is wonderfully done I and mean, wonderfully written and but it just reinforces so many stereotypes about Florida and I think you know Orlando is a is a weird place it's um it's kind of this weird liberal oasis in the middle of otherwise very conservative Florida and um mm. you know it, a lot of folks just don't realize that like we're an incredibly LGBTQ friendly town. Um, we're like a really open-minded uh, environment for the most part. I mean, yes, I'm going to see Trump stickers all over the place. Um, but you know, I'm in Florida, so <laughs> I'm in the South regardless. Right? <laughs> and 40% of the voting public still somehow, <laughs> still somehow leans that way. But, um, yeah. uh, but yeah, we we've got a a pretty good place here. So, um, if it's if you, well, if I want to check that out. I wasn't familiar with that show. I'm definitely gonna yeah gonna check, watch the event. Yeah, check it out. I highly recommend it. Well, thank you again. This has been awesome. I really thank appreciate you. it. And congrats on the new single. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to you too. Awesome. All right, take, take care. Again. Bye. Bye. <laughs>